Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Well, Florida State end up getting out of the grant of rights. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into another episode of Locked on Seminoles. I am your host, Brian Smith, and I have brought on Kenton Gibbs today, Locked on ACC host. Thank you for joining the show the show today, sir. And we're going to talk about the topic that is, uh, quite honestly, the biggest one in college football today, the grant of rights, all the numbers and all of that stuff. So it's going to be interesting. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So, Kenton, first off, again, uh, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Make sure that uh, you let it rip, man. Uh, I'm as confused by this as anybody. And since you run the ACC podcast, it's broad. I'm sure you've talked about it many times. I'm just going to kind of open it to you. What do you think about this, man? And, and what's your take on it overall? Well, first thing first, I'm excited to be here, right? I Knowles fans tell us how much we hate the Knowles, so much on Locked on ACC. But again, I try to tell people all the time, I have always loved the Seminoles. The Seminoles have always been one of those teams in the ACC for me that watching them play was always a joy of mine because I grew up in Big Ten country in Detroit, Michigan. And so, you know, when you got to see Florida State up there, it was a primetime game. They were playing some primetime football. And when I was growing up, that was the Bobby Bowden era into the Jimbo era a little bit. You saw dominance. You saw a really good to great team, depending on the year. And so, you know, always a, a big fan. But with that being said, these conversations are very hard to nail down if you're not in the room because so much bad information is flying out. So much fake news is flying out everywhere. For example, there were multiple outlets that ran the story saying that the ACC had dropped their lawsuit and agreed to allow Florida State to buy back their media rights. And that's not true. You know, that that has not happened in the case that, in the way that many people are speculating or were, were sharing that it had happened in terms of like, hey, you can buy it back. And even if that were the case, we still don't know the number, right? Like, because even if the, the biggest thing that I think a lot of people need to realize here is I'm telling you right now, my ears to the streets I have, connections to the the tippy top of the ACC and everybody is either very tight-lipped about this because they don't want to share information or what's much more likely is the only people that know the direct numbers are the people in the room when it happens and they're not willing to share um, exactly what's going on right now and I think the biggest thing that we're looking at is again if you are a fan trying to pay attention to see how much your your team is going to have to pay to get out, in this case for Seminoles fans, I would simply say sit back, relax, let it play out. Because a lot of these folks are telling you, I got the numbers, I know what the number is, and I refuse to reveal my source. 
their their source is uh, Andy Air. You know who Andy Air is? That's when you get a blown coverage. Andy Air is back there. They trusted Andy Air to cover the deep half because they were playing the middle of the field when they were supposed to be in cover two. That's that's who their that's who their source is. Okay, it's Andy Air. They don't know what they're telling you. They know about this thing, and I'm not saying that at reporting that I'm the arbiter of all sources in the ACC because I'm sure that there are people who have you know connections that may be willing to give them numbers. But what I'm saying is the numbers that I've heard have varied as much as this: thirty million a year, ninety million overall, one hundred fifty million overall, two forty overall, and they won't get out for anything less than three hundred. So I want you to think about how drastically different those numbers are. Right. Like 90 million in total to get out and 400 million. Those are entirely different. Those aren't, you know, just like a, oh, you know, that's a simple accounting error. And that's how we ended up with those. No, people are not telling being honest here because the amounts are not known. And also, and this is the last thing, and I'll toss it back to you. The reality of what's being reported by every reliable source is that the biggest battle right now is which legal battle are they actually fighting? Because there's a case in Florida that was initiated by Florida State against the ACC, and there's a case in North Carolina initiated by the ACC against Florida State. And right now, the biggest battle that's happening that most people will not tell you about because that doesn't get the views and the clicks. What gets the clicks is 90 million and your team is gone. The reality is the biggest battle that is going is currently playing out and will have the largest bearing on what happens here, which case gets put on pause or which case is deemed like, hey, this is an actual case, the case in Florida, the case in North Carolina, because that jurisdiction, it it plays heavily into what may happen here. I think you're going with the word bias is what you're looking for right there. Yeah. And that's a problem because, look, the people here in the state of Florida, I'll just use this as an example, and I'm sure it's the same where you're at. You know, North Carolina's a di- different deal. I mean, mm-hmm. politically, socially, all that. But yeah. the people in Tallahassee, remember now, the state is run through Tallahassee. It happens to be Florida State is there as well. Those right. people aren't going to do well in the next voting opportunity mm-hmm. if this doesn't go well for Florida State. Let's not kid ourselves. There are people that have Florida allegiances, UF, I mean, and that right. are kind of privately rooting for Florida State to do well here because they still need the votes to somebody that is garnet and gold. Yeah. So this is a big deal. Um, to that point, I've heard some other goofy numbers and I saw some things thrown out. The first thing I thought was what you just mentioned. There is no way on God's green earth that those numbers immediately trickled out of that meeting. Zero. Yeah. Come yeah. on, bro. Because that that this case changes college football because once exactly. one team, this case Florida State, walks out the door, what do you think, Miami? Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina. All those schools are going to contemplate in some capacity, and they are in backdoor meetings, what they can do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I, I would I would argue this and I would say this. Florida State, as much as you know, we tell Seminole fans on, on locked on ACC, hey, you're just like everybody else in some regards. This is the one regard where they're different. Florida State has money that those other teams, with all due respect, they just don't have. That if an out to now, if an out to Florida State is provided at that thirty to ninety million dollar range, if that's what happens, if that's the number, which again, don't don't y'all sit here and lie on, on Kenton and Brian Smith and say we gave you thirty to ninety. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, if that number turns out to be the number, 
then yes, we could see multiple teams leave. However, if it ends up being $30 million per year, that is remaining on the ground of rights. Even if Florida State is to muster that money up, all these teams cannot. All these teams, right. you, you're talking about Miami, with all, and I know Florida State fans are going to love to hear this one. Miami don't got that kind of cheese. That that kind of those kind of greenbacks are not readily available to that university. Um, you know, Clemson, I don't know. North Carolina, definitely not. Virginia, definitely not. NC State, definitely nobody else. You know, it's it's like those articles that are like, here's how we paid off all our student loan debt and bought our first house. And then the, the article goes on to say, well, they only had $10,000 in student loan debt, and their parents paid off half of it, and they got a job working at mom and dad's firm making mid-six figures. Well, of course you could do it. Of course, because you're different. You're not – the average person does not have that. The average team does not have what Florida State has in terms of resources. But I do agree that it changes the dynamic in terms of if teams look at their contracts and say, well, wait a minute. The SEC is way ahead of us in the Big 12. I want out. Well, where's my eye? Well, look at that case. Look at the Florida State ACC case. Well, did did the Big 12 set a – did they have a bad deal somewhere along the line that hindered the money? Possibly. And then you go ahead and say, okay, well, now it's time for me to get out. And in terms of any team that's in the Big 12 still, that could potentially – again, if that lower number comes out, go ahead and have that. And if that higher number is the number, everybody's staying put. If, if you see $400 million as the buyout, nobody is moving a damn inch. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, whew, speaking of numbers, uh, we got we got to pay some bills right here. Uh, game time. Make sure you check out the Game Time app. This is an opportunity for y'all to get busy and find some good seats. Uh, I know that a lot of things are going on. Get ready for the NCAA tournament. That's something I need to check off my own personal bucket list. You can do a lot of different things. Right now, Game Time is the fastest and easiest ways to get stuff for music, comedy, theater, etc. If you want to get $100 off, you can get the big Game Time ticket code Vegas100. You can also do different things that I like on the app because it's quick and easy. You can see where your seats are. I'm not the most patient guy, and I'll speak for Kent, and I know he's probably not the most patient fellow either. You have to be able to find out where you're sitting if you're going to buy something, so make sure you check it out. Take this guesswork off buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off with the big game ticket. Use code Vegas100. Terms apply. Download the Game Time app and use code Vegas100, V-E-G-A-S-100 for $100 off. If you want to find out what's going on with sports, comedy, or anything else, check out Game Time. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Kenton, this is a more fun subject for you and me. We talked about this quite a bit before the show. It's a topic that is always a big one in any level of football, and that's quarterback play. Right. For whatever reason, things kind of go in cycles. One year, you got in a league eight, ten guys that are seniors, and they bolt. You know, their Mm -hmm. eligibility is up. This is a different era, though. Because of the portal, Miami sees Van Dyke. He transfers out. He's got another year. 
they get Cam Ward. You got guys like Klubnik still coming back. You got Calandria up in Virginia. We, we got a really wide girth of yeah. different experience levels, not only overall, but at their school or not, yeah. that are still talented. I want to give you the floor here. Could you give a synopsis of your expectations this next year for quarterback play in the ACC, including DJU at Florida State? Yeah, I, I think the quarterback play, I mean, we all know quarterback is the most important position in football, right? There are so, there are so many rules tailored for the success of a quarterback. And so you, you look at this position in the ACC right now and you say, are we back to the golden days a little bit? When we had five, six, seven, eight guys where everybody was like, hmm, all eight of these guys could potentially go in the first or second round of the NFL draft. And I would say, in the words of a, a guy who means a lot to Florida State lore, Lee Corso, not so fast, my friends. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think we have a good batch of quarterbacks. It's just that there's so much so much to prove by almost all these quarterbacks. And on top of that, a lot of people don't realize the transfer portal works out for certain positions in a way that they can come in and have an instant impact so long as they don't have to mesh and jive with what everyone else does. I was waiting for you to say that. I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah, so when you look at a Keon Coleman, he's a receiver. He doesn't have to have his timing perfectly down with Jaheim Bell. It's okay if he doesn't. Like, as long as their timing is close enough, they'll be all right because that's a tight end and wide receiver. So long as they have route schemes and concepts that they're not, you know, hey, you have to know exactly how I'm going to run this speed out and you have to know exactly how to run the dig in behind – as long as they're not, you know, and even then, a dig and a speed out, they're pretty far away from each other to the point where it's not like, oh, we're going to bump bump heads about this thing. So you're looking at a situation where the quarterback position, because of the amount of transfers we're seeing, Florida State has a transfer, Miami has a transfer, uh, NC State has a transfer. There's There's just so much going on by way of transfer, transfer, transfer. And then you've got – head coaching changes that are obviously going to affect these players and, and coordinator changes that are obviously going to affect quarterback play as well. I'm This is the most mercurial year for quarterback play in the ACC in quite some time. And by mercurial, I mean hot, cold, yes, no, up, down. You don't know where a lot of these quarterbacks are going to go and who they're going to be. We could say, hey, we know the DJU is going to be great. Well, I would say based on what? Based on what information? He played well at Oregon State, don't get me wrong. We found out he wasn't a problem at Clemson while he was at Oregon State, for sure. But then you get into, well, the receivers and the tight ends and the, pretty much all the pass catches at Florida State. How much is returning in terms of actual production from last year? How much is coming back in terms of what you went and got in the portal? How many of those guys do you trust to be a Keon Coleman? Because you and I both talked about Keon Coleman before. He played a snap in Garnet and Golden. We both agree that is a guy being a dude because he's he's that. He's that, right? And so you're you're kind of left in that moment of it's it there's a lot to be said in terms of floor and ceiling, right? There's a lot to be said because DJU, I think, has a higher floor than a lot of these other quarterbacks in who are coming in to transfer into these different places. I think he has a higher floor, but at the same time, his ceiling is a little bit lower. Cam Ward has a lower floor, higher ceiling. Grayson McCall, I think, probably falls in that middle range. And Castellanos with Bill O'Brien, after the recent comments from Jalen Milrow saying, he told me that he doesn't know how to coach 
a, a quarterback who is mobile and can move? Well, uh, if you take away Castellanos' ability to run, if you take away his ability to extend plays, if you take away that magic from him, what do you get? And granted, I want to take that with a grain of salt because while he said that, that is the same coach that coached Deshaun Watson in the NFL. So, you know, it's it's a lot to be said in terms of I think quarterback play will be good, but this will not be – it could be a banner year for quarterbacks, for quarterback play via the ACC, but I wouldn't bet my house on it. I wouldn't say, hey, book it right now. DJU, Cam, Haynes King, um, Tony Calendra or Tony Muskie, whichever Tony they got starting for Tony Elliott. They got way too many Tonys in UVA. You know, I'm just saying. But regardless of who's starting up there, they're going to be a dude. You know, we got um, – I, I love drones at Virginia Tech. He's going to throw for 35. This is not a year where you can look look at it and say that the same way as it was when you had um, when you had Jordan Travis and Brennan Armstrong and um, you had Jordan Travis, Brennan Armstrong, Devin Leary, all these guys that were going into their schools year two, three, four, and it's like, hey – we all are trusting this guy. Kenny Pickett was still in college at that time. And you're like, hey, all of these guys are going to be dudes. I don't see that type of quarterback play coming out of ACC, but I, I can see a, a scenario where multiple quarterbacks have phenomenal years. I think DJU might have the most consistent barometer for what people have told me, yourself included. He's above average, yeah. but to say he's more than that, you got to prove it, and your point. And I've I've said this on this podcast. I don't get good results with what people think because they don't want to hear it. You can't lose Johnny and Keon and have the same wide receiver corps. I'm sorry, right. Right. and they're in their bigger guy. They don't have the bigger guy that just goes up and snatches it. Like some of the catches they made last yeah. year. Like, there's nothing you can do about yeah. it as a DB. So yeah, my, you can't my go next, six seven. They're, they're average oh, yeah, between Johnny. those two. The, the average height between those two, I believe, was six five and a half. You can't coach that. Yeah. You can't. That's not. You know. You can go into the portal. You can go into high school recruit. You you cannot coach two guys that can do that, and both are running sub five, sub four five. Like that's that's just not something. That's God gave it to you, or he did. So the the two guys that I find interesting beyond DJ, I think everybody's kind of like wait and see mode. Let's see what Florida State spring ball, and that's fine because it's fair. I also trust Norvell to go out and get somebody else in the second spring portal, which is the 16th through the 30th of April. That day, those right. dates are important. But the two guys that are interesting to me are Haynes King at Georgia Tech. Yeah. He's got a big arm and he can run. Yeah. And then the other one, I, I mean, it's just because I'm fascinated with it, is Cade Klubnik at Clemson. You and I talked right. about him. Let's start with him real quick, and then we'll get to some more quarterback stuff and polls after the break. But – what is your thought on Cade Klubnik and Clemson? What do they got to do to not implode? You know what's so year? you know what's so interesting. It's I, I love the fact that we're talking about this on locked on nose because it shows you're a student of the game. You do your homework, right? The game between the Seminoles and Clemson has decided the conference champion in each of the last, I want to say it's about 10 years or so, except one year. I believe the one year the Pitt won it was the only year that the winner of this game did not then go on to win the ACC. So I I love that we're talking about this because at the end of the day, Clemson's season is going to come down to Kate Club. They are losing a lot, and they are not replacing it via the portal, which means those players are going to take some time to have to grow up. They're going to take some time to have to learn how to properly fill in that role. 
you're going to see a defensive line that does not have the the multiple stars like we've seen in the past. You're going to see a linebacker core where, I mean, for years, and I for literal two, three years, Barrett Carter and, and Jeremiah Trotter Jr. were stalwarts. We yeah, thought really. that Skalski and Bowler were, were, were bad guys until those two showed up, and we said, no, that's real. That's the real. <laughs> you know, no offense to those two, but this is it. These are the guys. And so They were great. They were great. So, Oh, their defensive backfield looks fine, but you go to the offensive side of the ball and you say, other than Mafa, who do you trust? You got Mafa, you got the slot receiver, I believe his last name is Williams, and then who else? Who else? Well, I mean, they, they, they've got a they've got a lot of – like Tyler Brown was the freshman that came on the scene, but he's listed at 5'11". I don't even know if he's that big. He can go. Yeah. But how often are you going to rely – we talked about this too. Those 5'9 to 5'11 guys that are 180 yeah. or less, how often are they going to be able to go through an entire season? He went through 13 last year mm-hmm. when he stay healthy. And you so, know, Zay Flowers and different guys. It's rare for a guy like Zay Flowers to play in the NFL and take that attrition. He's so, an anomaly. And that's why, circling back to what you asked me in the beginning here about Cade Clubney, Cade is going to have to elevate. If this team is to do anything, these, he has to take not just a step, multiple steps. Because taking a step from last year for 4K is not making plays that kill your team. He cannot just be a game manager. I make plays that don't kill you. I'm not going to make plays that win the game, and we'll be all right. He can't be that. They don't have that type of talent anymore. I don't know what happened. I know that Clemson keeps getting these great recruiting classes. I don't know what's happened there to where they have seemingly fallen behind in terms of the talent arms or, well, I guess we all do know what happened in terms of they're not using the portal That's to go out and say, yeah. hey, yeah. these high school guys that we got was a five, four or five star. They aren't panning out. I'm going to give you a little nudge and, you know, go back to South Florida. You'll be you'll be a great USF bull. Hey, go back out to Burbank. They want you at Fresno State, brother, but we, we can't do anything with you here. The reality is they're falling behind in the talent arms race. And when you have a team that is falling behind in those regards, your quarterback has to be special to make up for it. 100%. K. Klubnik has to hit that lower end of special territory for them to have a shot. I don't know if he has it in him. I don't know if he's the guy to do it. I agree with that. And, and I think the over-under win total on uh, FanDuel might uh, register a little bit with that. And uh, speaking of, right now you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game, par- same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to shoot your shot. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. So I would say right now, uh, just without even looking at Clemson's schedule, they're somewhere around an 8-9 win team. And mm. Four years ago, if you'd have told me something like in 2024, Clemson's going to be an eight, nine, one team, I'd have said, hey, that's probably not right. I wouldn't have known about the stupidity with them in the transfer portal. Might give myself some credit on that. And then the other thing is, like at that point, like Georgia Tech was an absolute treadmark on the on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have a guy like Haynes King. And I think he is the other guy that's most intriguing to me. I'm going to get, shoot my shot on him on a second, but I want your take on Haynes King and why people should not sleep on George Tech. Haynes King is special. He ties all of the parts that you want out of a quarterback together in a way that absolutely works, and he does it 
without having much of a running game at Georgia Tech. It's crazy to think. Last time they were good, they were what? A triple option team. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> now all of a sudden, they got Haynes King airing it out all over the place, but he needs a running game to supplement. Because I think that he's on that upper end of like, I'm above a game manager, but he's not quite that special. Like, hey, you can surround him with one good receiver and nine Roombas, and he'll find a way to get you some touchdowns. He's not there yet. He's not at that level yet, but I think that he's very good. I think he's wildly underrated because Georgia Tech, by and large, hasn't hasn't had much success. But I really and truly, I believe he led the ACC in, in passing yards last year, if I'm not incorrect there. I really and truly believe that he is in a situation where statistically looking at next year, he could very well be the most successful quarterback. The only question is how much team success, right? How much team success do you get out of him putting up those numbers and having to throw for 350 plus per game or else they don't get many wins? You know, that's the biggest question um, for Haynes King. And also, also, let's just be very honest about this. Kay Klubnik in limited decisions has made very poor decisions. However, Haynes King, he has a ton of decisions to make because the ball is in his hand so much. You're going to see some like, what are you doing? What are you doing there? Because these guys are still 18 and 22. And so, you know, Hanks King, he's electrifying with his legs. He showed off that he has the poise and the clutch against Miami after they refused to kneel last year. Um, there's, he's also done it in multiple other spots where he's shown up big time. But again, it's for him, I don't think it's about the statistical success anymore so much as it is the team success because he's had the statistical success. He's had those numbers that are a little bit eye-popping. It's about the team coming along with him. It's about him being a leader of men and not just a, a leader of, of the, the passing game. I agree. Um, the one thing that he does have going for him, and I'm just going by the stats last year, they've got several guys coming back. Like their leading yeah. receiver last year was a freshman. They got Christian mm -hmm. Leary, the guy that scored the touchdown against Miami. He was their fourth leading receiver. He's a burner from, my, uh, from Orlando that I know. If your fourth leading receiver is a guy that can hit sub four four, yeah, you yeah. got a chance to cause some problems. Now I don't think Jackie has play. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they've got the depth they need in the trenches. You know, they're not going to mm -hmm. go beat. You know, my like Miami in the trenches is the deepest team in the league going right. into the next year. Florida State, Clemson, a few others are pretty close. GT's got a way to go there. Haynes King, kind of to your point about Clemson with Klubnik, for Georgia Tech to make that next step and join the Florida States of the league. He's got to be special in those big moments. And I think he could be. He's got two years yeah. of eligibility left, too, by the way. Yeah. That's it. That's going to be that's going to be really interesting. Overall, in the league, there, there's one guy, and I, I know some of my buddies on, on another podcast kind of picked on it because he threw some really crazy interceptions last year, but he's gotten better. He's a year older. He's a sophomore now. Calandria at Virginia. Mm -hmm. He's a kid I know personally because I covered him a ton. He's from the Tampa area where I was living at the time. Why are you so high? Tell them basically, all the fans out there, why are you thinking he can do something at Virginia with Tony Elliott and that staff, and, and what's the ceiling for Quantria? So I know that Florida State fans watching this are, are going to look at me a little crazy when I say this, but the Commonwealth State is very good in terms of quarterbacks right now. You've got mm -hmm. Calandria and Musket over at UVA. You've got Drones over at Virginia Tech. I, the only one of those three that I'm not like, I love that guy, I love watching him play, is Musket, because I think he's a little too conservative. I think he's too much of that, you know, Check hey, 
I'm just not going to hurt the team type of guy. And it's like sometimes you need to let your guys make a play. Calandria works perfectly for Elliott's system because if you remember what Clemson did when they were rolling at their, their highest clip so well, it wasn't about being on time, on rhythm, on target every time. It was about can my quarterback do something with his legs to add into the running game? And can, is he willing to take the deep shot? Is he willing to throw up the 50-50 ball and, and see what, whether or not our guys can do something? Calandria perfectly fits that mold. He perfectly fits that that idea of I can extend plays a little bit and I can trust my receivers to make that 50-50. Now, of course, some of that may have been youthful ignorance in that I'm going to force this pass in there because I got a dude and my dude's better than your dude. Brother, you play at UVA. Your dude is probably not better than their dude. That's just the reality. But he has that in him. And then you go over to Blacksburg with Kyron Drones. I don't know what it is about Virginia Tech and these quarterbacks. But when they get a dual threat, all they got to do is not play with them, and they're going to end up being something special. You look at what they have with Hendon Hooker when Fuentes was there, and he magically bought them back from multiple games where they were down because of Braxton Burmeister, and somehow he still lost that starting job anyway. I think that Pride knows better than that with Kyron Drones, and and so he's a guy that he, he is just a, a freak. He can do it all at a high level. Some people would say he's a little bit of a poor man's Cam Ward, but I disagree because I think in terms of a runner, he's just an amazing tackle breaker with both his strength and his athleticism. But, again, Florida State fans may not agree because last year when y'all saw him, y'all laid it on thick. Y'all laid the lumber to him thick. But I'll tell you what, him and Byshaw Tootin in that running game, they set the table for them to do phenomenal things in the passing game. So I think that Calandria, again, he's exciting. He has the the moxie and the gumption, you know, the it factor that they always talk about, where it's like you can't quite quantify it. It, it won't show in a 40. It won't show on every throw. It, it's not like, oh, he can just zip it in every, every window. But he has that thing in him that's like, okay, he believes in himself, and he shows up for this team even at UVA. He's not a guy that's like hanging his head like, oh, man, we've got no shot. He's going to light it up and do everything he can and even sometimes make throws in the windows that he shouldn't because he believes in himself and his team that much. Last thing before I get you out of here, I, I'd be remiss because one of the greatest rivalries in college football is definitely Florida State, Miami. We've mm-hmm. touched on Cam Ward. The floor is yours. What are your thoughts on him? Because the Canes will host the Knowles this year. So he is the anti-DJU. Right. We talk about DJU as an above average quarterback with a lower ceiling than some of these guys, but a higher floor. Because he plays at Miami, he de facto has a lower floor because we've seen with Miami time and time again, all the talent is seemingly there. It You you look at the team on paper and you say, OK, you got a first round or first, second and third level on offense and defense. That should at least equal in a in a power five conference group of five doesn't matter. You should at least get nine to ten wins with that six. So they, they find ways to shoot themselves in the foot in just audacious ways. And so his floor is lower, but his ceiling is also higher. He is one of those guys, in terms of the different variety of things you can do with the football in your hand and the, the heights that you can reach while doing them, I don't think that there's a better quarterback in terms of pure arm talent, in terms of ability to run the ball, in terms of like any one area is is you can find a guy who may beat him at one or two things. You can't find anybody that's total package physically the way he is. But the question that I've always said for Miami, which I also said was going to be the question last year, you have all this talent, you have all these guys, 
how do they gel? How do they mesh? And what does your coaching look like? Because we talked about the Georgia Tech game that they lost. That game was a thousand percent on coaching. You had it won. And you didn't lose it because you didn't take a knee. And this was your first time that ever happened. The same thing happened to Crystal Ball at Oregon. And he still hadn't learned his lesson. You know the old saying, fool me one time, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. Well, well, what? how many times do you need to get fooled by not taking a knee, brother? How many? So with that being said, Cam Ward, special talent. He has all the gifts. He has all the tools. The question is, does he even really want to be there? And how does his team feel about him wanting to be there? Because didn't he originally decide to declare for the NFL draft? And then I'm guessing he heard from some folks, hey, brother, we got nothing higher than the fourth, maybe fifth for you. And said, oh, no, I'll come to college, make a meal or two, you know, and not have to worry about whether or not I'm, I'm competing with Tim Boyle to be somebody's backup, you know. And, and so I think that that's a situation where very high floor, I'm sorry, very low floor, very high ceiling. There's a lot there in terms of the tools and all that. But it's a, it again comes down to for Miami, can you galvanize and be that leader of men? I would agree. Uh, they got a chance. Uh, I think Miami finished seven and six or whatever last year with all that down. They should have won two or three more games. That's why they got a lot of questions. But I appreciate you, sir. Thank you very much. Tell the fine people where everybody can find your work. Absolutely. You can find me at Locked On ACC or Locked On Wolfpack. And uh, that, those are our handles as well on on um, on Twitter, L-O-A-C-C. And LO underscore Wolfpack, that's where you can find me. You can find me also at TGIF underscore Ken. But just be aware, you're getting Ken to the man, not the sports journalist there. And also, wherever you're listening to this, go check out Locked On ACC. Go check out Locked On Wolfpack. We'll be there. We'll be there for you, baby. Come on. Come on with it. You know, I, we we embrace Florida State fans because Florida State has some of the most passionate fans in the conference. And regardless of how long y'all will or will not be here, uh, the reality is y'all are here with us now. We talk about you every other day, if not every day. So come on through Locked on ACC and see what we got going on over there. I appreciate it, sir. You can find me at FBScout underscore Florida. You can also find me at LO underscore Seminoles. Thank you all very much. Y'all have a great day.